You're listening to The Extra Real with Jerry Brown and Colm Ryan for a look at the bigger picture of film. With films from around the world. Through the decades. From movies you know and love. To movies you need to discover. This week on the show we're talking about Celine Sciamma's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Let's get stuck into it with the plot synopsis. Yeah, so basically this film is, is set in 18th century France. And it's about a female painter, Marianne, who's hired to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman, Eloise. Um, and it's set kind of in this island off the coast of Brittany. And Eloise is being married to this guy in Milan. But back in those days, obviously without phones and social media, um, to, to judge if the woman was beautiful enough, I guess, uh, the man would have to see a portrait of her painting in those those very misogynistic times. So she's got her job and she's got to do it kind of incognito. She doesn't tell her that she's there to paint. And uh, from that, we get a passionate love affair. So that's that's brilliant. Yeah, because the ca- the character of Eloise is um, basically there. It's this is the second painter they're on because the first painter. Yeah. She didn't. She didn't want to be, like she didn't want the portrait done in the first place. She doesn't want to get married, so that's why the character of Marianne has to kind of do it the secret and go on these kind of walks with her, and see if she can like you know figure it all out. But it's obviously very hard to do a portrait of someone if you're just watching them in motion the whole time. This is uh, Shyama's fourth feature, and uh, you know having watched the other ones, Water Lilies came out around two thousand and seven. Also starring Adele Enel, who's Eloise in this. And uh, Tomboy, which I thought was absolutely amazing. amazing. Really, really brilliant. Uh, and then recent, the just prior to this one was Girlhood, uh, which uh, I thought was a solid film. I also felt it was a film that wasn't made for me. So um, it was a real surprise and a, a delight that this film turned out to be so good. Um <coughs> But well, it was not, not not a surprise, but it was great just to see a film that turned out to be what I think. I think this film's an absolute stonking classic, but we'll talk more about that in a second. Yeah, of course. Um, the I... rest of the cast. So the cast-wise, this is class. I mean, like Adele Enel, who I think is really one of the actors of the current generation of uh, French cinema, has just been knocking it out of the park with films like 120 Beats Per Minute, uh, Le Combaton, and... Uh, uh, she was also in One Nation, One King. She's been there or thereabouts and uh, super primed to go international anytime soon. And then you've got uh, Naomi Marlon as Marianne. And uh, she's terrific in this film. I hadn't seen her in anything else before this, but she's been knocking around as well in, in the French film scene. Um, and there are two pr- protagonists. Yeah. And... Um, what we've essentially got here is, uh, you know, this is a lesbian love affair in the 18th century, pre-revolutionary France. And um, as a piece of cinema, how would you describe this? Wow. It's too broad a question. <laughs> it is too broad a question, but you, you saw this at the Cork Film Festival. Yeah. Um, I watched this a few days ago on my TV, and I'm really envious of the fact that you got to see it in the cinema because it's an unbelievably cinematic film 
Um, it's an eyegasm. Yeah, it very much is an eyegasm. It's shot in 8K instead of 35mm. Um, Shama and the DP Clermont wanted to kind of make the colours pop and they didn't want to go for that kind of, I guess, timeless look that you get in a lot of period films. Um, they wanted it to kind of have a contemporary look and the colours are so vibrant and bright. Um, but there's some, yeah, there's great use of kind of like following shots in it. Um, audio kind of is amazing. The editing, the cuts and everything are outstanding. Um, it's really like a film where everyone is kind of on top of their game. Yeah, this is pure cinema. Like they take the basic elements and as you say, the editing is just incredible. This wonderful ellipses, like uh, as we were, as, uh, as I think we were talking about earlier on, um, you know, that sequence at the start when her um, her stuff falls out of the, the boat and she jumps off uh, to pick it up. Yeah. To, jumps, jumps off the boat to pick it up and uh, there's an ellipsis midway through it which cuts out the labouring of, you know, swimming through the water and retrieving it. I mean, we could have seen that, but no, Shyama just cuts straight to she's back in the boat, she's going ahead. And it just reminded me of that, Sydney, I think it's Sydney Dumet said that, you know, when you see somebody labouring with something, that that's boring to watch. Well, I wonder how Hartog would have felt about that. Or Tarkovsky. <laughs> or Tarkovsky or any of the other things. But you... anyway, there's that sort of stuff. And of course, there's some wonderful linking shots and uh, scene transitions throughout. Uh, so yes, we're bathing in pure cinema here. So this is top quality stuff. It's it's very interesting as well, um, reading interviews with Shyama and also, I guess, watching it yourself and, and seeing references to other films. Um, yeah. I guess when I, I, I noticed early on was kind of a persona by Bergman because in this film you have two actresses who are the same age and they're kind of the same height. And I think that was uh, Shamus that was kind of delivered. And also, interestingly, uh, Titanic, apparently while they were making this film, uh, Shamus was watching Titanic because she said it was like, you know, it was about a, about a love story that was a present love story, but also the memory of a love story. And um, she also found the uh, Caprio quite kind of androgynous in uh, in that time, and that's brilliant. Yeah, it is amazing. And also that like the Caprio and Winslet were kind of I wouldn't say the Caprio was a nobody. He definitely done things before, but they weren't you know the stars that they became. You know, and Naomi Merlon, like like definitely Adele and Elle has been a rising star for a while, but Naomi Merlon, I hadn't personally, I hadn't seen her in anything before this. When we're talking about the, the rest of the cinemat- cinematic tradition that she's trading off, you've got things like Hitchcock. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking specifically of things like Vertigo. Uh, at times it feels like a kind of a gothic horror film, like something like The Innocence or something like that, especially some of the, uh, just even some of the initial shots when she's walking around the house. And... Um, and of course, you know, the, the ghostly apparition thing is really, really interesting. And also, you know, there have been other illusions as well. So it's the scene where they're uh, in the dunes and it's they're amongst the grass and they all rise up in unison. And apparently that type of shot is called a Miyazaki. And it was uh, influenced by my neighbor Totoro. Um, so I think she's really run the gamut with this. Um, and then... Uh, so that was I mean that that for me was a scene that really stood out for me before I knew it was called a Miyazaki but there you go <laughs> yeah 
And it's um, interesting you say about like the, the horror elements because in that scene where the kind of bonfire scene, I guess, which is probably one of the, the, the most famous the scenes, scene of the film, really. The scene of the film, really, where the two women are looking at each other across a bonfire and um, uh, Eloise's dress catches fire for a moment. Um, and also, really, but there are these other ladies around at the time and they're kind of, I guess, more townsfolk. And the way they like they, they start singing this amazing song, um, but the way it starts, it almost sounds like music from a horror film, and you're expecting something else to happen. But what actually does happen is probably even more surprising and even more beautiful as a result, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's Fugerian uh, on possum. That's it. Yeah. Um, so that they can't escape, I think, is the the general gist of it. Um, and yeah, it's this tringing, thrilling, throbbing piece of music and yeah the connection between fire and the and the two characters is kind of uh is carried throughout the film there's an earlier scene at a, at a harpsichord where i think she's playing some vivaldi yep which again feeds into the end of the film and um there's a fire behind them and in this instance it the the imp i suppose the the power of the fire the influence of the fire or whatever is on Marianne's character in the in the big bonfire sequence it's on Eloise and uh, so that's really really interesting what I think is also really interesting in this film is the portrayal of men yeah they're not or really there how they act they're not really there <laughs> and uh, I have to say it's refreshing Very it refreshing. almost feels like from like from my perspective anyway it feels like we're getting a window into the world of women and um uh, so that's a bit different and uh, I think there's a great scene towards the end with one of the few men in it where we're looking at one of Marianne's portraits and it's like a big it's like a it's like a portrait convention or exhibition and uh, there's a guy and he's mansplaining to her <laughs> and I thought that was interesting and, and also of course the portrait yeah, yeah. you're going to say it go on yeah no, it. it's, the, it's obviously the story of um, Orpheus and Eurydice yeah, Eurydice. Yeah, Eurydice. Sorry, I I didn't do classics like yourself. That that scene is in the background, and of course he's explaining that oh, it's it's usually shown in a different way, but of course we know that from the from the picture and from an earlier scene that it's really depicting stuff that we've seen. So an interesting uh, take on the classical tradition. What other scenes stood out for you? Uh, well, obviously, uh, when you're you're introduced to Eloise, there's this amazing scene where. Uh, Marianne doesn't really see her her face or anything like that. She's just introduced in a hood, and they're going to go for their walk together, the first walk. And straight away, Eloise tears off towards the cliff. And we learn earlier in the film that her her older sister had committed suicide by jumping off a cliff on the island. So straight away, Marianne is is kind of you know freaked out by this, and she runs after her. And then suddenly. Um, Eloise turns around and just says to her, oh, I just wanted to run. I hadn't run in years. And maybe it's just that kind of lifestyle of always being kind of cooped away in a small island has just gotten to her. And like, she probably represses a lot of the passion she has. Yeah. I, I think one of the big things in the film is this lack of freedom or this desire for freedom by all characters, you know? Yeah. Whether it's the Countess or the Eloise, or Sophie, the servant girl, or Marianne. When we're talking about uh, 
the countess we need to mention it's valeria golino famous for, we all hot, shots. Famous for hot shots <laughs> and loads of other films i mean and no, she's kind of you know she's graduated into directing now herself and uh yeah she's still a cracker oh she's still beautiful <laughs> there's no two ways yeah. about it she's amazing um and those scenes between her and marianne are really kind of fun and interesting um and i i like the kind of sorority that is is there between marianne eloise and sophie the maid and obviously one of the more i guess the more interesting the more like tougher scenes in the film is where marianne and eloise help sophie um go for an abortion because she becomes pregnant and she's too young and she can't you know have a kid i guess um with her lifestyle and that's quite an interesting scene because they go and marianne cannot look but eloise tells her to force her to look and goes look this is this is life you have to look at this you can't just look at the pretty things in life and then they paint a recreation of that scene afterwards yeah which is you know you wouldn't get many filmmakers doing that to be honest no actually in the abortion scene one i'm not too sure it's not very clear either the abortionist or the person helping the abortionist is the casting director wow yeah Crystal uh, Barra. You got the small, and of course, the baby. Kid. Yeah, yeah. The baby holding the hand of um, of Sophie while it's happening. Um, and I think that's something that freaked out the director. I think she was saying, you know, you never know what to expect. There's not a whole pile you can do, and you know, you try to make the child as com- as comfortable as possible, which puts you in, in a in a suppose the least uh, amount of comfort. Uh, and I think initially, what they were what had been written was that the child puts its hand on. Uh, Sophie's chest but I think what actually happens is that well I don't think we see it um, the uh, the child wipes her tears away which I think is just super powerful um, yeah and of course we've got a female DP so Claire Maton so again we've an awful lot of this female gaze stuff and you know unusually it's um, it's not a male DP and I suppose it has to help. Uh, I've certainly felt that this was a less lecherous uh, viewpoint than what it could have been. I mean, this is the type of stuff that could be 70s erotica, you know? No, of course. <laughs> I'm always bringing yeah. it down to its baseline. But there you go. It could have been that. It, it doesn't feel that. No. Um, and I think what you get is a strong connection between the two characters, and that's built with the framing, which is quite sensitive. And uh, it's impressive very impressive and it's it's the kind of thing as well like we talked about kind of the freedom of the characters and stuff like that and uh it's very interesting to see kind of like female painters we don't actually really see many films about female painters like there's there's few there's there's films on picasso there's films on turner but not really female painters too much especially in this time period and it's kind of interesting how much i suppose freedom the character of marianne has that she's the daughter of of a painter but she is not like she's not forced to marry like Eloise is and she can smoke a pipe which you don't really see female characters doing she kind of has these pockets in her dress and all these kind of you know interesting things that you just do not see structurally we've got a strange setup we've got a prologue before we launch into the main film and then we've got a triple ending which ties an awful lot of elements back together again one of the things that I thought was really impressive was it brings back the Orpheus and Eurydice thing. We've also 
got a thing with um a certain uh self portrait that's made which is on a certain page number which is 28 yeah. and uh that kind that section that piece really gives us i think consolation but there well i'm not going to say it there's a consolation in it and there's resolution with that but then that's followed by an equally impressive ending which ties together the hearts chord stuff from earlier on and uh, it's super powerful and it's got a really nice slow long take on Adele Hanel's character and she goes through a whole range of emotions and uh, yeah it's thrilling stuff no it very much is Um, and yeah it's kind of an amazing film because there's no real like the music is all diegetic right it's all in the scenes there's no score at all and nope. you're working off uh Shama said I think she wanted to have like natural rhythm for characters. Yeah. Um so that's kinda of, you're working off that kind of sound and then you're obviously working off yeah, you have this bit where the harpsichord, the broken harpsichord is playing the song, and then it the fact that it comes back at the end is is really kind of beautiful. It's really yeah, it's a very structurally interesting film in that it does kind of come full circle. Um yeah, no, really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, so Celine Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I think it's it I, worthy of a watch simply because it's got some of the most exciting actors of the current generation of French film. It's Miyazaki, it's Hitchcock, it's Bergman. It's all of those things rolled into 120-minute feature. Shama's definitely one of those kind of filmmakers who's just like, each film, I suppose, there's something interesting going on, and that she gets, I guess, something like such a canvas to paint on for this film means that, like, pardon the fun, exactly. I I just can't wait to her next film to come out, and they've they've usually had like four or five years in between it, so hope in between each film, so hopefully we don't have to wait that long for the next one. Thank you very much for listening. You can contact the show by emailing to extrareal at gmail.com. Search for the Extra Real Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere you get your podcast from.